Why, hello there. You are listening to Sess Beck and Rowe for episode six of the No Books Book Club. We wanted to talk about all sorts of things that bring the horror, like animals escaping, Christmas, conversations with friends, <laughs> and um, doing a little bit of local plant thievery. Um, we also wouldn't mind touching on a conspiracy theory too, so listen in. The No Books Book Club. Welcome to the No Book Book Club. No, see, I do it every time. Welcome to the No Books Book Club. <laughs> Plural first, singular second. So, guys, who doesn't love a good animal escape from the zoo story? Those furry little turds. <laughs> I mean, what, have they, what else have they got to do with their time other than plot their escape? I know, literally, they're like the, it's the Shawshank Redemption in the animal world. <laughs> and there's always some amazing story. I, I think you could probably find one every few months. You know, the kangaroo that was found bouncing around the streets of London or the mm-hmm. baboons in Sydney. That was yep. a couple of years ago in COVID and everyone freaked out. So a lion escaped from a zoo in Italy, which I thought was amazing. And there's this incredible footage, but it's like it's off the its infrared footage. And it's just a lion kind of creeping through along like a, a highway area and everyone's just freaking out. Imagine just opening <laughs> your shutters in Italy and looking down. And there's this giant hairy mane just wandering down below. You'd freak out. Oh, or you're going to get the mail or something. Fucking lion! (laughs) One lion, though. I know, but it's amazing. (laughs) But I think anyone who's ever, frankly, held or pet a cat knows that when they're in a bad mood, these little three-kilo furry turds can do a huge amount of damage. Oh, yeah. These things are hundreds of kilos. They're wild. They're wild. Last time I went to the zoo, actually, there was two male lions in an enclosure together and they started roaring and the sound was, like, next level. Yeah, it's amazing. So imagine, yeah, if you're you're just like, ooh, just get up and look out the window. It's hairs on the back and the neck stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're not supposed to be hearing that for much longer, you know. How did it get out? Well, the lion's handler's saying that he's declining to comment that the cage was sabotaged. Yeah, yeah. But So this By was in this lion. little yeah. seaside <laughs> town in Italy called Lazzapolli. Lazzapolli. Oh, sounds Rome. nice, yeah. But I think my favourite part of the whole story is the name of the circus. So this lion handler's name is Ronnie Vassallo or Ronnie Vassallo. But his circus is called the Roni Roller Circus. <laughs> the Roni Roller. <laughs> Not like Corona, like Rona. Roni. Roni Roller Circus. Roni Vassello's Roni Roller Circus. Um, so so yeah, the line bad. was on roller skates? <laughs> it should have been. Imagine. Imagine. That would be pretty funny. Anyway, the police were pretty scared and they're telling people, to, you know, just to be safe and lock your doors and all the rest. But you think a lot of these animals that have probably been living in captivity for mm. so long wouldn't really ever know how to even go and eat a human on the street would they would have been shit scared too mm. Mm. yeah exactly but i love the whole i'd love to just you know walk out down to glen Ferry road you know in 20 minutes when we finish recording and just see a big tiger <laughs> like, get off the tram or something oh my goodness <laughs> that's what he'd say g'day yeah. Beck. Yeah, the yeah. Whole, whole premise of the book Taronga. The Victor Kelleher book oh, from yes. way back in the 80s, I think. Oh, yeah. I think as humans we suck a bit on this front mm. because we're so frightened of everything that's not human. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. You know, like a huntsman, ah, kill it. And then a lion that is obviously 
not supposed to be in a human environment. Like anywhere in Canada where you've got bears, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. bloody hell, yep. a brown bear scares me to death. But you, if you go there, you see the bins are all like bear protected and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. we're fine with cats and dogs and mice and birds because they stick to the trees. <laughs> but like, why are we so rubbish at embracing other species oh we suck <laughs> yeah we honestly I suck mean, i mean it's... the good thing about this is it's um highlighted why there's still animals in circuses i know i know which exactly. is great yeah it's Did absolutely they catch right it? Yeah. Yeah, they caught it in the end, but I don't think it was euthanized, which is good because no, often it was happened. sedated yeah. and safe, safely captured. Because and it's now back to doing tricks. I don't know if you guys mm. remember, but about a year ago, speaking of, you know, humans getting scared of animals that are scary and then having to protect ourselves because we do stupid things. There's a really awful story about that walrus in the fjords in Norway, mm. Freya, the walrus, Aww. who was having a hot girl summer and like schlepping around the sinking jetties boats. and sinking boats and then bloody tourists were going up to her and people and trying to pat her and stuff and she was getting really aggressive so they end up euthanizing her no which was just so wrong. out she of line she was just having a hot girl summer and having a great time <laughs> she was there first <laughs> i know <laughs> oh it's just oh, it's so you hear about freya the hot girl summer walrus yeah really yeah it was sad. really changed sad. my life yeah well I've, I've got to turn the escaping pets yarn into a really funny one mm-hmm. about those furry four-legged turds mm-hmm. so um i've i've been quite Quite honoured in my adulthood to have had four huskies over the years. Oh wow! And, and huskies, as most people know, are basically working dogs. They're designed to travel immense distances, no sweat. They can do 30 kilometres a day. Don't care. So one day I was working hospo where no phones are allowed, and I knock off and find 50 missed calls on my phone. And I'm like, what is going on? About half a dozen of my mates. I'm thinking someone's dead yeah uh, well no my housemate had left the front door open and Marshall the husky had gotten out no. and he'd taken himself on a stroll <laughs> and so um my housemate thank goodness he'd rallied the troops and everyone was out looking for Marshy while well, I'm obliviously bashing out coffees at the brown cow in Hampton <laughs> and um Marshy the furry little turd fortunately the local community got together and we were able to find him reasonably quickly and he was uninjured. But he had crossed railway lines about four times. He had wow. crossed South Road. He had crossed North Road, very busy roads. He had run up and down the beach half a dozen times. He wouldn't let anyone catch him. the time of his life. Had the time of his life, the shit. I was just about <laughs> ready to cry. And um, But he, I'd, I'd shifted house recently, so I'd moved about a kilometre distance up the road. And where me and my friend Robin found him, he was at a crossroads by the railway line going looking one way looking the other way couldn't remember where how to get home and I've never seen a more excited dog and I'm like and he's like oh fuck it you thank god Jesus Christ (laughs) I got lost but he crossed so many hazards yeah and he had been going everywhere wow it's like oh my god I love that he was like the littlest hobo remember that show yeah yeah Yeah. I've got a good personal animal escaping story too actually (laughs) unfortunately I wasn't there at the time because I wasn't born but (laughs) well I don't think I was born I might have been in a tummy but I, my mum and dad were living down in Balbray, which is down the coast, um, on a big 
massive block of land renting a house, um, which is where I was actually born. I was a home birth in that place. Ooh. And they, the people that are renting the house, I've had a lot of interesting animals because it's kind of like a bush farm kind of area. And they had two dingoes. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah, like prop and proper scary. This is the 80s. And proper scary wild dingoes. So mum and dad had to look after them as well as part of all the other crazy animals. And they were kept in like this, I think they had kind of a giant bush cage almost that was they could roam around. Mum said one night in the depths of winter, both of the dingoes escaped. And she said she'll never forget my dad. <laughs> chasing one of them down into the dam and then having to take his trackies off <laughs> and wrap his trackies around the dingo's neck to catch it oh. while mum went and tried to catch the other one to put him back in the cage in the middle of the night. <laughs> Winter night. Shit. <laughs> I love that's your family. I know. <laughs> Remember those dingoes? Oh, yeah, they were shockers. <laughs> Far oh, out. So very scary. Animal welfare in the 80s, man. <laughs> No Books Book Club. My adorable No Books Book Club chat is all about Country Living Magazine Ooh. and its Christmas edition. Um, I'm a magazine obsessive. I have been since I was a kid. Love them. Used to spend all my pocket money on them. And I've never really given up. So, well um, done, because yeah. it's hard these days. Most mm. of them are absolute crap. And they're expensive, they're so you've got so to be expensive. invested. And then the other problem, I mean, I do love a magazine too, but then what do you do with them once you've read them? Yeah, totally. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, because at a certain point I had way too many. I've still got too many Donna Hayes, but I have Ooh, culled them substantially. Yeah. I mean, at least you can use them though. Yeah, they're all stuck, like the pages are stuck together mm. from gravy cake and mix. Mm. cake mix and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. But I've got to say, the, the good old Country Living Christmas edition, I'm a sucker for a farm animal and there's always farm animals on the cover. So I want to have a, a look. little bit of special Whoa. effects here. There are two hairy Highland coos, oh, a Christmas tree, best. a dam, and a goat. It's like oh. a Douglas fir as well. Yeah, on you know the cover of, oh, of Country Living magazine. The cutest hairy coos I've ever seen. I know Highland coos. So what I love about this mag is um, the letters to the editor, which I'm convinced that the staff yes. actually write because they're all <laughs> like have immaculate grammar and are just excellent. And they like got a hat every Friday, and someone pulls out a name. It's like. Patricia, you're writing the letter to the editor this week. <laughs> Patricia, they're all called Patricia. And you're going to pretend to be from. You you're going to pretend to be Wendy and Daryl. <laughs> Wendy and Daryl from, from Tarragon or Flowerdale. 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 Yeah. Yes, but it's it's chock full of one-page short essays, which are essentially love letters to the land or you know whatever. And look, they're they're good for a short read and a lovely little absorb. But I will say, I love. I'm a sucker for the bush Christmas stylings. Ooh, it's absolutely. unabashedly Australian. There is eucalyptus draped over every square inch of these overly styled houses. If you pull a page, is there a like? If you flick, close your eyes and open it, is there a poinsettia somewhere? Highly likely. <laughs> Very oh, likely. There's even how to make like an Australiana gingerbread oh, house. Oh, stop it. <laughs> That's so it. good. There's dogs everywhere in the magazine. There's weatherboard houses. It's all, it's very much about, you know, 
the Aussie dream and it's much more to do with the Airbnb that you get a book in Mansfield versus (laughs) actual farm life but you know but I always working in radio I often work on Christmas literally Christmas day so I usually host a pre-Christmas lunch with um, family and stuff like that about three weeks before and I have a few rules because I'm trying to not get stuck in routines ever I always debut a new cocktail which I usually drag out of these Chrissy magazines and I like to drag out at least one new recipe each year whether it's a salad, whether it's a different way to do a roast potato, that's what I like to do. But also, very tragically, I need to build a new gate at my place <laughs> next year and there's some really nice I ideas. I bet there's a gate, there. is it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like... There'll be, there'll be a rolled pork roll on one page um, <laughs> and there'll then, be how to build a, a cocktail on and a gate. And I'm, I'm in heaven. And then there's like... A pair of very expensive gumboots Maybe well. some artisan I, tea towels. Hey, I own a pair of those gumboots. Oh, have a full page very well. You made it, Ro. You have made it. But, you know, I thought, you know, a great reminder that these magazines, which, again, are overpriced and all the things, there's a book guide in there. There is a gift guide in there. There's a wine guide in there of, you know, the latest and greatest from regional wineries. The gifts are from, you know, regional makers. It's basically better than Etsy. Um, And there's a lovely big directory of regional and rural shops um, up the back goes for like eight pages or whatever. So, so you're hogging it. Pass there's, it on. Oh, there's I know. just I'm so much up in the yeah. hole. So I'm just going to shout out. You know, maybe country livings, uh, country style. What's it called? Hang on. Country style. Country magazine. style oh. magazine is not for everyone. Maybe it's the Christmas delicious edition. Maybe it's mm. the whatever. But. Oh, heck, I do love a special Christmas magazine and I do keep them because there's always silly recipes. I've I've made some bad cocktails out of these magazines because I often don't pre-test them, but I've made some great ones as well. I think you've really touched on something, though, when it comes to magazines like as I said before, you've got, like, where do you put them? I've got all these house magazines. Mm. We renovated our house about mm. five, six years ago and I've still got, like, piles and piles of these magazines where you just go, I mean, they cost a lot and they're beautiful. I don't want to get rid of them, but I'm never going to look at them again in the same way. Yeah. But the ones that are, like, the special occasion, I've got, yeah, Donahay Easter, Christmas, mm. birthdays, they're handy. They're really handy and you yeah. flick them open and you do, you find something else that whether it's, yeah, a cake, a recipe. Or... I'm a brutal old bitch at the, at the moment because... <laughs> in, in what way? <laughs> I, I'll piff them. I'll chuck them oh, in the yeah, recycling yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Um, sometimes I'll rip out pages and keep them. Um, like the gate, I'll rip out. The recipes, I'll rip out. Um, and then I'll rack them off. And I'm holding on to a few because, yeah, I need a new gate and plants and things like that. But once I'm done with them, I will absolutely piff them. So that's my no books uh, book club entry for the week. Love it. Magazines, Christmas special magazines, whatever your flavour you know, of gingerbread might be, um, hop into them. There's there's a lot to be had there. I like it. I think you've given us all permission to go and buy ourselves a little something-something. Yeah, it might be $18, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just read it twice and hand it on to a friend. Exactly. So, Sess, mm. you've been reading, watching, listening... Watching. Watching, yes. Mm, what but post-reading. So it's one of those things. So I wanted to talk about Conversations with Friends, which was a book by Sally Rooney who wrote Normal, Normal People. People. She's an those. Irish novelist. Um, her books are 
beautiful, very emotionally driven, um, very relatable, like early 20s angst kind of, mm, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So anyway, I thought to myself, I saw a promo on SBS for Conversations with Friends and I thought, oh, I'd like to see that because I read that book a few years ago. Um, the book actually came out in 2017. So I <laughs> sat down, got open SBS On Demand, love that, found the first episode of Conversations with Friends, start watching it and I'm like, what the hell is going on in this show? I cannot work out what the story is at all I stopped it went back to the menu it was episode five. Oh no so, <laughs> I know this feeling with SBS I've been here I don't know why they just leave the whole like it would be nice if they I mean maybe it's room whatever it doesn't make sense but I, I was like I've missed the first four episodes so no wonder I had read the book so at least I had context but it was a long time ago I sat there for about half an hour just going what, what am I missing? You know, so funny. Anyway, so I was like, okay, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to see the start. <laughs> Just going to go straight into the middle of the, <laughs> of the story. But it was fine actually because, as I said, I read the book and the story is basically about Francis and Bobby, these two women who are like in their early 20s at uni in Dublin in about 2008 and they make friends mumblecore with this. Times. Mumblecore times. Mumblecore. Yeah, there's probably a bit of mumblecore in it actually. Um, and they make friends with this married couple who are called Nick and Melissa. And there's sort of this like weird thing between the four of them. But then Frances, who uh, incidentally she and Bobby, the two girls, had had a relationship as teenagers and then they end up living together as just friends in Dublin. But Francis, who's the main character, goes off and has this affair basically with Nick, the the guy from the the married couple. So there's all this stuff about infidelity and adultery and, you know, whether that's okay and how to kind of deal with that in in a marriage and, you know, the, the kind of stuff that the friends are looking on and their judgment. And so there's all that stuff going on. So it's it's quite a fun story. Like I like the actual story, but I think I like the book better. Mm. So I was watching it and then I thought, I really love normal people. Did you see normal oh, people? I love normal people so much. Yeah, so but amazing. I love the book as well. Did you read the book? I haven't read the book, no. So the book was great and the show was great, yeah. but I reckon that is an anomaly. Yeah, oh, it's so rare. It's so rare. The only time I've ever had that happen is, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the film or read the book Perfume by Patrick Sussman. Yes. I, and I find that film, that book, when you read it, it's very visual. Oh, There's a mm, lot going on that you're vivid. seeing Sensorial, and vivid and censoring. Yeah. And I remember watching the film and going, wow, this. I feel like I'm reading the book watching the film. That was for me. Not other people agree with me, but I really felt it. But, yeah, it's rare. It's a rare occurrence to have that perfect match. It's really hard. And I think probably TV shows can do it better because they have more time. Because mm, mm. if you're trying to, to shove an entire novel into two and a half hours of film, totally. you know, mm, things yeah. get lost, like uh, Where the Crawdads oh, sure. Sing. Have yeah. you read that? I haven't, no. Beautiful book. Yeah. Like, you know, so evocative. 
um, you yeah. know, creates these environments where Lush this, and yeah, yeah, and it's like in the kind of um, Everglades, yeah, and, and so it really creates this kind of sense, and you can feel the heat and you can smell it. And yeah, you can sort of smell the moss and the water, mm, and yeah. yeah, yeah. But in the movie, it just came across as a bit like a I don't know midday movie Channel Seven, yeah, which is my yardstick right. for schlocky romance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember as a kid, those midday movies were like really really cheesy yeah so I kind of thought it was a broader conversation then about that idea that you watch something that's come from a book that you've read Mm. or if you haven't read the book what you're feeling is so like a handmaid's tale I'd never read the book Mm, mm. but the tv show is so powerful and then of course it's gone beyond what the book was Mm. in the beginning Mm. Um, and it has the license to do that because the TV show was so successful and so well made. Yeah. Um, and then there's the new one, All the Lights That We Cannot See. All I didn't research that one, but I did get a text message from a good friend of mine the other day going, oh, my God, I just watched it. It okay. is so bad compared to the book. I love oh, the book. Oh no. So, yeah, so I was like, this is a real thing, isn't it? Mm. So difficult. Yeah. To really capture that essence. Here you go. We're talking about books in the new books book. I know. No, it's so it's so true though. You've you've completely um got me thinking though, like um sometimes stories are best told in a certain medium, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you read poetry and you just think, Oh my goodness. And it's like Salman Rushdie books. I I don't know how you'd ever bring them to film and really capture you know, uh, holy crap that he's on every page of one of his books. So, yeah, may- maybe we just need to calm down a little bit on remaking <laughs> stuff and no. um, let artists create in the medium that they feel fits the story. You know who's actually done a beautifully brilliant job recently? Mm. You guys know Wes Anderson? Yeah. He's incredibly oh, I love beautiful, stylistically Oh, I don't even. You're know talking the words about the ones on Netflix. Yeah, he's done Raoul Dahl books recently. So he's done the Fantastic ah. Mr. Fox, and he's done the Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, and I think that works beautifully. He can capture that magical world that Raoul Dahl did, but then again, I find Raoul Dahl also had a very sinister side to one of his stories. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, for example, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory was shady as exactly, but one of the most brilliant films of all time, the original one, mm. because. Yeah. It, it wasn't feels like the just book. like see, I really felt the um, I felt that cynicism. Oh yes, within but it, the whereas the actual story really no is different. It went it's, yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. different. It yeah. diverted from whereas Wes Anderson can capture that beauty that beauty that is within the story, but does miss out on the cynicism. But I still I still find it very good and close. Yeah. Oh gosh. So do we do we have a verdict? Should should people move outside of their mm. storytelling genre? Should should stories get a second chance at life in a different medium? Yes. Absolutely. Do movies point. ever become books? Yes. No, I think so because well, they can evolve as well. Sure, like going sure back to the, the Handmaid's Tale <laughs> as an idea. Actually, Margaret Atwood went and wrote mm. like a sequel to mm. it mm. after the series, after the series was, was made. Out, yeah. yeah, because it was like there were answers that needed to be. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that it's brave as a writer to do that. Really as well. brave and really kind of interesting because I guess when she wrote *Handmaid's Tale*, which is really in the eighties, <laughs> oh, horrifying. Um, 
she probably didn't see it evolving the way it did. And then, yeah. So no, I look, and also I really did like conversations with friends. Like it's, it wasn't that I didn't like it, but I just, yeah, I did find that thing where I thought it's really, really difficult to actually nail that Mm. when a book is great. And then you, yeah. Anyway, there we go. So I don't know how many uh, choc tops. Uh, yeah, I'll give it f- uh, uh, four. There we go. Four yeah, no, tops. no. It was more a, a contemplation point than a, <laughs> than a complaint. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> I will watch it. It sounds great. The No Books Book Club. Okay, Beck, I got really excited when um, you emailed across what you thought you might talk about today because <laughs> this one, uh, I think of all the things that our four mothers could have taught us and this is a real beauty go for it well I found a very economical way to get more plants in your house without having to pay for them yes and that is through friends that have bought their own houses recently and have gardens (laughs) that need plants taken from them so I'm finding a lot of Quite a lot of my friends, I'm in that age now, where friends are buying their own places mm-hmm. or their parents buying them houses for them and they're oh, paying the nice. mortgage, which happens as well. Yeah. Mum and dad, if you're Good out for there. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess a lot of the houses they've been buying are kind of a bit older and they've, and maybe had gardens that were sort of made in the 60s and 70s. And during that time, I think I find in Australia, people... Um, really love to kind of have one plant of everything and lots of very obscure sort of stuff so you might have a gum tree and then you might have a fajoa and then you oh, might have awful, I they? know and then you might have a monstera but like the proper monstera is like a giant one you know before they became dwarf species and they were the big ones that grew all the way up to the shed and had fruit on them so uh, one of my good friends um, has recently moved to Brunswick and bought a big property there. They've got a big house, got a couple of kids, and they've got this insane garden out the back. Hang on. Did the kids come with the house? Yeah, kids came with yeah, the house. Okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to refund. <laughs> and so they've got quite a nice kind of front yard, and they've done a bit of mulching and a nice jacaranda tree, which is classic. And then out the back, it's just like this smorgasbord of – House plants of <laughs> 1970s house plants that you go and buy at Bunnings for $50, $60 in a pot that'll probably <laughs> die the next week. And I'm talking, they've got banana trees and then they've got wow, some, they've got a hibiscus, actually quite a beautiful one. And then they've got a strange gum tree. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Have you yeah, not? hibiscus go all right. This is a whole nother, no, bananas oh. I think she's talking about. No, oh, hibiscus. No, I'm talking about hydrangeas. No, hibiscuses. I've, yeah. I've killed quite a few in Melbourne. Yeah, anyway, they're I'm around. Amazed. Amazing. And then she's also got this really beautiful elephant ears plant, which is a well-known house plant. Mm. They're quite large and lush. They've got big, thick leaves and they get quite big. Look fantastic in a pot in the corner of your room. <laughs> anyway, we're out the back having a cup of tea last week. <laughs> And I'm a mad gardener, and she's like, oh, I've got to really do something about the garden. I said, mate, just call me up. I will come round with my spade and my fork, and I will get in there, and I will dig that thing up. She's like, take whatever you want. Take whatever you want. Uh-oh, the floodgates have opened. I was like, well, what do I take? Do I take the banana tree? Do Vic- I take the elephant leaf? Vic rolls up with a rented <laughs> go-get van. Literally. Which way are you going to put it? So I got, she grabbed me a spade out of the shed and I got in there and I dug out one of the beautiful big elephant leaf plants and I took it home. I've even got a photo, guys. I put it in the corner of my, potted it up, put it in the corner of my courtyard. Look at that bad boy. 
That's enormous. Oh, wow. So Beck's waving her phone at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, possibly causing a little hum on the microphone. Sorry. Don't mind us. <laughs> Friend, I got a free, basically, I got a free plant mm. from my friend because they purchased a property with a lot of house, a lot of plants in it that they didn't want anymore. That's so good. Go you. <sighs> Massive yeah. win. I think that's the best win in the world. And there's a lot to be said for sentimental plants. Mm. I've got a lot of sentimental plants that, are, you know, are cuttings from friends yeah, or have yeah. been gifted along the way and stuff like that. And I look at them absolutely fondly. Yeah. One of my neighbours over the road, Rose, um, oh gosh, she was here forever and and um, she went into care not that long ago. I think maybe at the start of the year. She either passed away or went into care, but just out of nowhere, a for sale sign appeared on the front of her house. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. Um, she was one of those people that during COVID lockdowns, everyone rallied around. She was well into her 90s. And, you know, you'd go, now, Rose, do you need, um, you know, need groceries or a gin? And she's like... I've got some Hendrix. Come and have a sit. You sit on your chair out there. I'll sit on my chair in here and we'll socially distance some Hendrix. Like, she was an absolute delight. And, um, you know, the for sale sign came up. So I snuck in in the middle of the night with my secateurs because <laughs> she was very proud Brilliant. of her rose garden. And I also got really tangled up and had to do a runner from a neighbour who chased me with a torch. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, I got some out. clippings and now I've, I've got some rose grafts hobbling along right. at my place. So. so you know how to actually grow them from a cutting, roses? Uh, yeah. I had to get my Easy husband, my cousin, who's a horticulturalist, oh, okay. to get it cracking because I, I, I killed one segment but I still had another bit alive and he's managed to – but it's flowering off its own bat. I, was, oh. I saw it on the weekend and it's flowering and it's like um, – I, I adored Rose. She was the most beautiful neighbour for about 13 years or so and I was really sorry – to, you know, see that her yeah. house has changed hands and, you know, you she's no longer here. So and I've got a rose from Rose. Yeah, Aww, so sweet. Yeah. Well, that's so, yeah, you're right. So They're very sentimental. Yeah. I have a cutting of a rubber tree that I took from a friend of mine who passed away a couple of years ago. And she was from England, so she was about to go back to England because she had cancer and she knew she had cancer. Mm. And um, I took a cutting of this rubber tree and it's grown and I mm. it's – so often I pass it and I'm like, that's my Georgie that's tree, so nice. you know. Yeah. But, yeah, the, but cuttings. Like I, oh. I am such an ad hoc gardener. Like I love just taking a cutting or something and shoving it in a bit of dirt and seeing but if it takes. But things grow well. And, I mean, look, the moral of the story is here, if your friend's bought a new house, get <laughs> round there because chances are they're going to change that Rip everything up, up into some mediocre, le- badly landscaped backyard. M- millennium grey ra- lounge room. Oh. <laughs> God knows what they're going to chuck. A couple of ficuses and some no. tan bark or oh, something. You don't have awful. much faith in your friends, but, yeah, you're right. That's mm. so true. Think of the bees. Think of the bees. <laughs> we need pollination corridors everywhere. <laughs> oh. All right, Ro. This Ab- is the bit where we get to just get things off our chest. I know. We're entering the moan zone. <laughs> I love this We're part groaning. of our podcast. We're moaning. <laughs> These <laughs> desperate bitches, desperate for reviews. I'm talking about Australia Post. <laughs> Either my parcel is here or it's not. Oh, I'm so you glad know, you said are that. You, are you after a 10-star review? Because apparently five stars isn't enough. You need a 10-star review. Is that what they do? Yes. I just delete. I, yeah. And... There's nowhere to put in a comment where you say, well, actually, my delivery guy always leaves my front gate open, so it's really easy to steal my shiny new packages. 
There's no place to do that. Mm. So I just one star them relentlessly because he will not shut my gate. Mm. Are they like Uber drivers though? If you give them one star, they have to get new training. Well, is that I, what happens? Who would know? Who knows? Did the Cartier watches bring know, the entire organisation? I was going to bring the watches up. I'm like, who's bringing the watches up first? I feel yeah. like sometimes our little podcast really punches above its weight. <laughs> right now we're bringing on uh, Australian Post. But no, I think you're bringing up a bigger issue and that is companies doing what they are there to do mm. and then asking for feedback about it. Mm. The other one that gets me is a very well-known sports shop um, where you can go and buy, you know, socks, balls, sportswear, whatever, mm-hmm. runners. Yeah, not and exciting. Then, well, they send you an email and they go, are you happy with your purchase? Would you rate it? It's like I bought a pair of socks. Mm-hmm. What mm. do you want me to say about mm. the socks? Mm. Like exactly. it's just, I mean, I understand that businesses need Google reviews and all that kind mm. of stuff, but the Australia Post one in particular, it's like you're either delivering what is supposed to come to my house or you're not. It's a bit of a yes or no. It's a bit of a pass or fail, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. And it's they're not ridiculous. even asking for Google reviews. It's just internal shit that they circulate around and probably don't even look at. <laughs> to produce reports, no one reads. Exactly. If they're lucky, it's one paragraph in an annual report. <laughs> oh, I swear to God. Like, I'm a bit like so a tapped into Rose Moan. Like, she's never oh. moaned like this before. Yeah, if, this is. If I've delicious. had an exemplary experience, I'm delighted to leave a positive Google review for Absolutely. a business or a person or whatever. But I swear to God, showing up and doing the bare minimum. Yeah, nah, yeah, I know. Absolutely not. I had a classic one recently where, <laughs> oh, you know what I really hate? The really over-enthusiastic, happy customer service people. <laughs> so I got a dress off a website for an event I had a month ago. There was nowhere on that website that said that dress hadn't arrived in stock yet and it was a pre-ordered item. I just oh. assumed I'd get it in a few days, so I had it for the Saturday. Three weeks later, where's my dress? Oh, hey, babes. Thanks so much for your email. Tiffany here. Was she real or was she oh, AI? Oh, babes, that, babes, that dress was on pre-order, so we haven't even got the stock in our warehouse yet. So we'll let you know when it gets shipped, okay? Okay, this love, is turning into Tiffany. the bitch zone. Oh, babes, honey, H-U-N-Y. They're always called Tiffany. They're always called Tiffany. And then I write one back and I'm like, that's not good enough, Tiffany. There's nowhere that said pre-order. But especially brands who charge Express Post as an option when mm-hmm. it's a pre-ordered mm-hmm. item and it's like, Express what? Yeah, exactly. Express- Back in my day, you know, if you provide good customer service, people are satisfied yeah. and no news is good news, right? Yeah. Adjunct to this is uh, I hate it that so many companies now expect you to understand all their internal processes oh just to God. achieve purchasing something from them. Um, when, you know, that's what the customer service people who had the training and everything used to do. And I think about tickets as the main one. Like, I mean, I think probably because I worked in ticketing when I was at uni and I loved it. You know, you'd be on the phones and like a big concert would come on sale and you'd get on there and people would ring and you'd be like, you know, book the tickets. And it was boom, 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 boom. Yeah, or you'd line up. But you could deal with people one-on-one. So if someone actually had a request where they said, oh, actually my dad doesn't have great mobility, where can I sit, where's good, you could help. Mm. Like you could actually Mm -hmm. help people. The travel agent thing. 
Yeah. Everyone's booking everything online. Yeah. But travel agents. Yeah. I Like, I'm not that old. I remember lining up for Meredith tickets on Brunswick Street once. Oh. Like, and there were Sweet people camped up, out, camped up outside overnight waiting for tickets for that 9 9 a.m. ticket so they could get a two-day ticket instead of a one-day ticket. That was that was literally only 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess it's maybe the hunt for efficiency. Yeah, the, I think the whole thing's really sad because, I mean, coming from a marketing background, you know, the term surprise and delight, yeah. which is about getting a little extra something-something in your, <laughs> you know, in your delivery, like Adore Beauty will give you a little Tim Tam in a packet and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's nice. There's, yeah, which is kind of cute, but there's like a, you know, there's cute ways that you can add a little bit of value and surprise and delight. Um, but the base of it comes down to... Rock solid customer service. Yes. Are you going to be looked after? Are you going to have a great experience with it? Um, in which case, you might be that's surprising and delightful, isn't it? To leave a review, as opposed to we've done the bare minimum. Now give us ten stars out of five, which Ugh. is literally what Australia Post does. It's like no. Right. So should we ask for five stars on our podcast now? Yes. Yeah, so please go and leave us a review. We're thirsty bitches. And send us an email. Nobooksbookclub at gmail.com. <laughs> right. Okay. So hopefully we haven't said too many things that were litigious today. Uh, we'll get our lawyers onto that. And um, ah, what lawyers? We... I hope we have. Frankly. <laughs> <laughs> All complaints can be directed to Roe. Well, 2023 has been a big year for the No Books Book Club. We were invented and we have thrived over our six episodes. So we will probably catch you in 2024, but have a safe and happy holidays. And if you're listening to this sometime in the future, well, I hope you had a great Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And thanks for listening in. Happy holidays, punters. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everyone.